Hey, welcome to the weekly, what feels like episode 2000. I actually have no idea what episode we're on, but we are cranking these out where we're trying to connect what happened on Sunday or our weekend services online with your real life lived Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, with my good friend, Jay Ewing. What's up, Thomas? And pastor, Zach Thompson. You let me come back? This is fantastic. Welcome back, my friend. Yeah. I, I think that the, the uh, viewership went through the roof, mm. especially in California. Mm, that's right. So we thought, that's well, right. Zach's kind of an important guy. We didn't realize it. He's a big time. Until all those clicks happened that's from right. California. That's so right. let's, let's bring back the moneymaker. Yeah, totally. Well, hey, glad to be back with you guys. Thomas, hey. what do we got going on at Calvary this week? Who knows? But guess what happened last week, Jay? Oh, gosh. Okay. That was one interesting <laughs> segue. Yeah. What's up? All right, so think about this. This is awesome. We, we're always talking about how uh, God is doing great things in the midst of COVID. We're praising the Lord for bringing the Thornton campus together and bringing a new campus pastor out. But the Thornton campus pastor, Zach Thompson, was not only online, which we all enjoy, but preached his first sermon out in Thornton. That's super cool, my it's friend. It's historical. I mean, like, if it's you're going to build a history wall, I would assume that's going to be on there at some point. Yeah, I hope you had the right shirt on for that picture that day. I was supposed to be wearing a shirt. <laughs> oh, that's what I forgot. Yeah. That just got awkward. <laughs> just Real choose quick. one shirt and wear it every week. That's my philosophy. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yo, that's how good. was your first historic week of preaching at Thornton? Well, the the sermon, who knows, but being with the people was fantastic. Uh, just just getting to... to be cared for by them. It, it was so encouraging, so encouraging. And, and not just at Thornton, like I'm, I'm still today, we're recording this on, on a Tuesday. I'm getting emails from someone I've never met, but attends Boulder and is attending online and, and is really encouraging to me. Gotten, gotten a couple emails from, from out here in Erie of, of some of your online folks. And uh, Calvary as a whole has just been so encouraging to, to my wife and I in all this. And it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh man, that's great to hear. Welcome to Calvary. Thanks. Just wait. Right. You have to be a year four until you get emails like Thomas gets. They're the best emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But speaking of emails, would you say you wanted to talk about this week that's happening at Calvary Bible Church? Hey, just go to the calvarybible.com slash events. Click on there to see what's happening this week at Calvary. We would love for you to get connected, stay connected, and jump into what God is doing here on all three campuses at Calvary. It was fun this, this last week. So many of our ministry programs have like restarted for the semester and seeing mops come back, women's Bible studies, Mm -hmm. men's groups, seeing kids run around the building. It's been really cool. Yeah. To hear how people are jumping online and even forming virtual groups. It's fun to see that another season of ministry um, is, is, is on us, man. Yeah. 2021. Jesus knows what he's doing, right? That's right. Yeah. That's great. So Tom, Thomas and I watched Zach last Wednesday. We got to see you online. It's just blessed my heart to hear your, love of the Lord. So we were talking about, I am the good shepherd and John 10, which you did a great job with Zach. Good first message here at Calvary. Help us sort of understand what are some things that as a preacher, you have to leave on what we call the cutting room floor, the things that you wish you could have said, but you couldn't say in 25 minutes on an online message. 
Yeah, it's good. Uh, and, and it's, it's hard, uh, because there's so much good stuff as you're reading through it. And, and this is a process I'm still learning and, and learning well from, from Thomas and Tom and, and others of just because you love something doesn't mean it's the right thing to say. And so a, as I'm reading through it and seeing that compassion piece of Jesus as our shepherd, uh, my mind, uh, immediately went to something and, and it didn't quite get to make it in. Uh, so we're pastors. Uh, it, it seems Kind of like uh, picking your favorite kid, like you're not supposed to do that, or, or, or sorry, tell here. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you're also not supposed to have a, a favorite book of the Bible. Like all, all scripture is is inspired. Like man, this Leviticus is wonderful in in my daily daily devotionals, and it is, it really is. But despite that, I, I do have a favorite, and it's the Book of Mark. Uh, some of that is uh, just because it, it's it's beautiful. I, I think it's the first gospel written. Uh, spoilers if if that's reveals my thoughts on it but also there's a little bit of middle child syndrome that i have uh, where like the overlooked gospel is going to be my favorite and mark seems to be the overlooked gospel it's the shortest it's missing uh stuff that the other ones have but i love mark uh, because it's really intentional in its details and, and so i thought about the feeding the five thousand mark six uh, where it says that jesus had compassion on this crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd, directly, directly related to everything that we're seeing. So what is the response of Jesus in that? And uh, Mark tells us by giving us a detail, and details in Mark are hard to come by. And so when you get one, it should really perk up your ears. Why is this here? This guy is cutting out whole sections of Jesus' ministry. So why is he giving us this specific word right here? And he says he told them to lay down, to sit down, in the green grass. So where is this in Mark? Mark chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. So why mention that the grass is green? Well, it's Psalm 23 again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he came as their shepherd. He came as our shepherd as well. So that was where I stuck out as well. But uh, there was a key section in there that I didn't quite get much time to, to talk about. Thomas, I don't know if you got to it at all, but uh, there's that whole section in there about, uh, as he's talking about, I know my own, uh, my own know me, uh, and I have other sheep, not of this fold. I must bring them out also, and they will listen to my voice. Did you get to that at all or any you thoughts know, on that? We were flying by it pretty quick. We made one statement about how great it is that we are the beneficiaries of the fulfillment of this verse. I mean, yeah. like we're the Gentiles. He's speaking, remember, to the religious leaders of the Jude of the Jewish faith. And so when he's saying this to them, he's referring to us yeah. as, hey, there's going to be a time when he goes and gathers the Gentile sheep and brings them into one flock. So when does that happen, guys? When do you see that sort of play out, this fulfillment in John 10 play out? When historically? Yeah, when is historically? I mean, we we see it uh, pretty soon after this when Jesus starts to do some pieces for the Gentiles. Uh, there's, uh, believe in John, where, where the Greeks come up to him asking him questions and uh, where he is starting to show some love for the Gentile believers. There, there is definitely this in the book of Acts, which uh, I believe you guys went through recently. Is that right? So you might have seen it there. Yeah, we went through Acts in 2020, which was a great book. And I would, I'm sort of leading you there saying, yeah, it's sort of acts where we actually see the fulfillment of Jesus here saying, I have other sheep. And actually the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, fulfills this through the life of the church mm. right around the corner 
of his ascension. What do you got on that, Thomas? No, I think that's a good observation. Acts begins to kind of laying out the pave the pavings for um, the church becoming the most diverse group of people on the planet. And we look at the church worldwide. It is the, the largest, most diverse group of individuals, not only based on ethnicity or um, socioeconomic background, men, women, young, old, educated, less educated. I mean, the whole shoot and match um, come together, not because of our collective interests in cycling or our collective passions of the Broncos, but because of the unity of Jesus Christ, that we are his sheep and that he's brought us in the fold. Yeah, I always think about that around communion time, that um, on a Sunday, any given Sunday around the world, the believers of Jesus are gathering to break bread, to remember um, the great story of the Gospels while they break bread and drink the juice together. And it's just amazing to me to think about how this epicenter of this happens in Jerusalem, but now the consequences all over the world and you know, the fast growing churches in Africa, um, those churches in the underground scene is China and other uh, closed countries. It's just amazing to me. Yeah. And what we might get used to, or we might miss in this is it's a good thing that Jewish leaders didn't understand what Jesus meant. Otherwise this would have been a reason why they grabbed stones to, to kill him because this would have been scandalous, completely outside the mind that the Gentiles would be included this well in, in God's people without having to do any of, of the, the methods to get into Judaism. And, and yeah, Thomas, I think you're right. That is the unifier with us that we are brought together with people that we would otherwise have nothing in common with. And we are called to, to love them because they are brought in by the same terms that we are brought into God's, God's uh, family, Jesus' deep love for us. And later on, he continues this idea by saying uh, in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people know that you are my disciples. See, if you love one another, people have, we have no reason to love and yet we're called to love them for no other, uh, no other reason than we were loved more deeply and uh, with so much compassion by our good shepherd. Yeah, maybe this is an interesting like sidetrack here, but when I was reading John 10 and looking at some things, um, some preachers went to a missions type text for this sermon on John 10 because of the sheep knowing his voice and him gathering and scattering and all those type of things. Did you run into that in your both of your studies on John 10 and maybe have some reflections about what it means to um, take this text to the world? Came across it just uh, a little bit. Uh, definitely seeing that. Uh, what I was seeing was more the encouragement that uh, in in missions that we are, are called and, and equipped by by God to go local or overseas to to make His name known. And yet it's Jesus himself who is calling people to him, that we are, are used in that, and that's beautiful, and, and that's good. But the success is not in our demonstrations or, or in anything like that, but it is Jesus calling people and, and them knowing his voice and following after him. That is where success happens, is Jesus calling his sheep to himself, and, and just so much relief in that, that we're, we're called to make his name known, but we're not called to make sheep that's very true. And Thomas, what about your reflections? I know you've been in the missions world at Calvary for a long time. How have you seen John 10 and going to the nations lived out um, at the people with the people of Calvary? 
Yeah, if you've never been on a global mission trip, I would encourage you when all of the travel kind of reopens again. Calvary has several mission trips that we do a year. We have three global partners that we're sending teams from Calvary on all three of our campuses uh, down into Haiti, into Brazil, and then also into Nicaragua, doing different things. And there's also some student trips in there that go to some other places. Getting a global context for God's heart for his people is a beautiful thing. And so when you see it here in John of his heart for you know, all his sheep that are scattered around the world. First, he's going to come and gather them from Israel, and then he's going to go and gather them from the world. And I think it's exactly like Zach's saying is, I'm going out and I'm just speaking the voice of the shepherd, and his sheep come and, and get gathered. And when you get these global contexts, these global pictures of who God is, and you're in the middle of nowhere Brazil, I mean, you're a few hundred miles down the Amazon River, and someone opens up a Bible and you're doing a church service, in the same text that you were in, you know, a few weeks earlier back in Colorado, it's just a beautiful thing to see that God truly has one flock and that he is bringing his people into to his presence, his, his family. And that shepherd analogy of not only is he speaking to the Jewish leaders here, but he's connecting himself to the broader God story of Old Testament, New Testament. I was kind of curious, I didn't ask Zach or you this question, um, but how many people did you talk to, and maybe it wasn't anyone on Sunday, but for the first time made those connections that you connected us with, which is Psalm 23 and Jesus' claim being the good shepherd, that Psalm 23 opens up with, the Lord is my shepherd. So God is my shepherd, Yahweh, Jehovah, he's my shepherd. And then Jesus steps in and says, I'm the good, true, right shepherd. Was that something new for people that you were talking to on Sundays? Uh, at least got one person contacted me that said that they, they worked through that with their home group and really personalized it for them as well, which which was great. Uh, so glad it could be beneficial. Uh, yeah, and, and this is what we do. It's as we learn more about God, as he reveals himself throughout scripture, It's we can look back and, and read scripture with scripture to, to get a better understanding of what God is showing us about himself. Yeah, I think, I think so many times we read that it's just like a comforting poem. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus kind of personalizes that, it's not just poetic. It's, this is what I do because I have compassion for my people, like you're saying, Zach. It, I don't know, it, it kind of bolsters that psalm up to say, oh, okay, so the shepherd came, and I saw how he lived. I saw how he had compassion. I saw how he cared for people, walked through the valley of the shadow of death with people. Um, it, it makes it come alive for me personally. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was a wonderful thing. If you haven't watched online message, you were at one of the campuses, um, I would go click on that. And if you don't want to watch the whole sermon, just go to the end um, and click where uh, Zach leads us through Psalm 23, replacing those words. And I thought it was really interesting because uh, so often we read these texts that are uh, so ancient, but they're so true today mm. when and it just sort of helps when you replace the word lord with jesus and just catches your attention a little differently maybe yeah that's good so let's turn the corner here this is a a, a course a text about hearing jesus's own voice and the question i keep running into and we talked a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks but there are a lot of different voices in our lives you know we have a lot of things going um a lot of things trying to capture our attention. So how do we discern Jesus's voice? What are the ways in which you guys would say to someone who asked this question, like, how do I actually listen to Jesus on a day-to-day, very practical level um, in my Christian faith? I think start with this premise, that God is a speaking God. 
I think you first have to recognize that God wants to be known, wants to say something, and wants you to hear something. So that's the first awareness? Yeah, I, I, you have to be aware that God is speaking. So he has spoken, he is currently speaking, and he wants to be known. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to shape how you're living. He wants to comfort you. He wants to guide you. I mean, so many things. God wants that for our life. And so, so many times I think we come and saying, thinking, well, does God even care? Is he aware? And to see in the scriptures that God sees, he knows, he hears all of those things, and then he comes down. I mean, the fact that Jesus is present before his people saying, I'm the good shepherd, seeing that they have a need, wants to have um, a teaching ministry, he is speaking. So I think you have to first start with the premise of, I'm going to wake up today, and God wants to be known. He wants to say something to me, and I want to be listening. And so I think of Hebrews chapter 1, which is long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So Jesus, Jesus is the clearest spoken voice of God. And if we're craving like a vision or a prophetic word, more than we're craving the clearest revelation, which is Jesus Christ, um, we should just back up a second. Right. And if we're looking, I want to hear Jesus' voice. Okay, well then let's just start with Jesus' words. Right. I just open up the Bible and start with what did Jesus say? So go to John. Go to and, John. And just read, ask that question, what is Jesus telling me? Yeah, or go to Mark, or you know, Luke, uh, go, to, go to Matthew. These, these are where you find the words of Jesus. Now then Jesus authenticates the words of the prophets, and we're going to see in a couple weeks, he's going to make this ridiculous claim that he actually is truth, which is he is the source of everything that has been written. Um, and so then you get to open up your Bible to a, a, a wider um, experience to say, okay, Maybe until I've like mastered the Bible, which is impossible, but like keep opening up your Bible and hearing God's voice spoken and then start thinking about, okay, well, what does this mean for me? Because he, he is trying to use these words to speak to me, which is just, you know, right after Hebrews 1 is Hebrews 4, where he's talking about the, the word of God is living and active, right? It's, it's actually alive. It's doing something uh, it can actually work in our life to bring about good and instruction and correction, as Timothy says. So I think the first premise is God wants to say something. God can be heard, which is why he has revealed himself in the first place. Jesus is the clearest expression of everything he's wanted to communicate and then go from there. Yeah. I, the pithy statement I always say is master God's word so it can master you. And Did that's you make his, that up? I don't know. Like, do we trademark that and, I don't and know, tweet man. that out, Jay but, Ewing? But, you know, Dad's a very you could Google host. it, I guess, <laughs> maybe hit somewhere. But, like, that's really the truest thing. If you, to hear God's voice, the the original source of that in the sense of the truest voice and clearest voice is in God's word. And that's where you need to be dwelling in that first statement of how do you hear Jesus' voice. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the love that God shows us here, the love uh, of Jesus as our, our good shepherd here. And uh, it, God would not be a loving God if he just left us to figure things out on our own. And so he has revealed everything we need to know, uh, to know him through his 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 word to us, through his, his Bible uh, that he has given to us. And, and so 
I, I, I fully recognize that, that it can be complex and, and wondering, do I have to learn original languages? There's words in here that I don't understand. Uh, so really just approaching it as, as simple as that from, from what Thomas is saying, what is God telling me about himself here? And from that, what is God calling me to do? So what is God telling me about himself here? And what is God calling me to do? And we're not alone in this. Uh, the, the question, the original question of this is, uh, how do we hear the voice of Jesus? What is Jesus saying to us? And it's amazing that John 14 uh, gives us the exact words of this. It's, he is promising to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring remembrance of all, this is Jesus saying, that I have said to you. So how do we hear Jesus? Well, the Holy Spirit is, is, is one of his key jobs is helping us remember what Jesus has said. That's right. So on that, Zach, I think it's so important for people to recognize that the Spirit of God will always affirm the things that God has said in his word or mm-hmm. Jesus has said. Because so many of, I think... Christians in the Western culture will just neglect the spirit. Yeah. Like, I don't, am I hearing an audible voice? Am I prompting? What is this? And we see that there is great activity in the book of Acts, and we see there's great activity promised in the last days. And if we think we're really in the last days, then we should see God pouring out a, 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 a word, a prophetic word, a vision. You should see promptings as you see in the book of Acts um, as he's doing it. But all of those things are in affirmation of what Jesus has taught, right? The Spirit's not bringing a new, fresh word that's never been seen before. He is going to remind you of all these things. And so we look in the book of Acts, you see that the Spirit is prompting a community of people. that, As they're praying together, the Spirit prompts someone to go to a certain place or actually not go and do something. And then the community of believers actually you know, confirms those things. And so I think that's why you need people in your life. You need good pastors, good mm-hmm. leaders in your life, because they also help bring clarity. Because the, the, God's not going to tell you to do something that is adamantly, con, you know, you know, forbidden in his word. I mean, I, I've sat with people down there like, well, I think God's telling me I should leave my family. Like, I need to leave my husband, leave my wife. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. Yeah, let's <laughs> like, back up here. <laughs> like, pause, you know. Or here's, here's one of the ones that I think I hear a lot um, is... I prayed, and I didn't hear him say no, you know, and then like they took that as affirmation as opposed to, I, I don't see that's how it works. It's, it's the prompting, it's the driving, it's the confirmation that you hear from his word, from his spirit, from his community, um, but we should expect those things. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking about uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, it says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and I think there, Paul is telling a, a group of Christians, like, don't quench the Spirit. Like, don't do things that limits the Spirit's voice in your life. Um, but then when you hear things, you should test that. And what do you test it against? Well, first and foremost, you've got to test it against God's Word. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's God's, you know, people and, his, and leaders, pastors, shepherds that he's put in, in our lives to say, yeah, you know what? I see that that's true in your life. I, I think you should follow God's voice in that direction. Yeah, because just before that verse... In- 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another one another, and build one another up just as you're doing. Part of the believers, the family of God is to do that, is to continue to affirm and build each other up into where God is leading us as individuals and families and our stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that leading, I mean, I think when people think of the, a prophetic word, um, they're thinking of future telling. 
you know, and, there, and there's good actually biblical grounds in Deuteronomy where he's like, okay, so listen, if someone's going to say something about the future, you know they're a good prophet if it comes to pass. And if it doesn't happen, well, there's some things we should do with that false prophet. Right. And you've seen prophets in this quote-unquote prophet. You can't see me do my air quotes on online. Yeah, but it's pretty cool to watch you do them. Yeah. <laughs> the air quotes. You've heard people say, like, what's going to happen with this election? What's not going to, you know, and all of a sudden they're trying to, like, spiritualize things. You're going, you know what? I think you made some predictions, some bold predictions. Things didn't come. So maybe maybe I should pay attention to what you promised was going to happen and then didn't happen. And should you be a reliable, trustworthy voice anymore? Yeah. And the other piece of it is, so we're thinking of words of prophets as those who foretell. This comes from a guy named Richard Hess. Uh, he teaches at Denver Seminary. And Richard Hess just talks about, you know, a prophet's role is twofold. One, it's foretelling, like God says what's going to happen. But then there's forthtelling, which is what is true. Like much of the prophets isn't necessarily what's going to come to pass as much as this is what God says to his people. Repent. Come back to me. You've abandoned your first love. You've allowed wickedness. You've married into the nations and the cultures. And it's just him reminding his people what he's already said. And so there is foretelling. But mo- much of the prophets and much of a prophetic word, quote, is reminding the people. It's this foretelling of God's word to call people back to what has been said, what is true. That's right. That's why reading the Old Testament, the Testament before the New Testament, I don't like the Old Testament. First like, covenant, second covenant. Yeah. 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 Let's but go. That's a little confusing, too, sometimes if you're not biblical literate. But these are the stories that remind you how to live and which ways not to live and what stories to get involved in and what stories to keep out of your own life um, in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's good. And, and and the reminder as well, and you were touching on it, Thomas, uh, of finding finding other uh, other Christians, other people who are reading the same word and trying to figure out what what God is showing us. Um, yeah, it's the Spirit is never going to run contrary to what has been said, and the church has existed for two thousand years. If we've uh, culture is always changing, yes, and so we are always trying to find new ways to apply God's word to the culture. But we are not trying to find new words. Uh, we have God's word given to us, and if we find ourselves running contrary to what the church has been doing for two thousand years, then that that needs to be a gut check moment of what's what am I hearing wrong, or what what's causing me to do this differently. Uh, because God has been faithfully working through his church and will continue to do so. And so as we're hearing from what God has done in the past, as we're hearing from what God has done in the lives of people that we know, like not just those who we know through books, but those who we know by able to sit across from each other when, when code appropriate uh, and, and know their lives and, and uh, they can speak into us from what God is showing them and the spirit will, will never run contrary to what God has said. Yeah. That's a great reminder. And that community aspect that you're pointing out, mm-hmm. how even Paul talks to Timothy about establishing churches with overseers yeah, so that people don't come to Calvary Bible Church because they're going to hear from Prophet Zach, you know, or Prophet Thomas. That'd be, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Y'all would be bad prophets. <laughs> I just want to go out there. I don't know. You know, yep. it's like, hey, we're going to listen to him in, in the same spirit that lives in him it lives in me. And the same spirit that was with Jesus and the same spirit that was with the apostles and wrote the text is the same spirit that we see living in our elders and overseers of the church that have the authority over these speakers and pastors and teachers yeah. to keep us true to God's word is really, really important. It's really true, man. It's a really great reminder. And another maybe practical thing is for those of listeners, if you don't have someone who's older, wiser, further down the road in your in their faith, 
uh, you need to find someone like that and get into a community that has people like that because your life will be blessed and guarded when you put people like that in your life. So here, let's try to get as you know applicable as possible. Yeah, we're trying to bring in what happened over the weekend to our real life lived, and someone sitting across from you saying, "I just." I don't know what to do. And they're opening up their Bible, they're praying, they're in community or, or whatnot. I, I have the gut sense that most of us actually know what we should do. Right. And from my, from my experience sitting with people is trying to draw out from them what they believe that God is really calling them to do, help them to see and hear God's voice. Um, one of those kind of uh, matrix is, well, what what's the harder thing to do? Is it going to be easier to leave that relationship and just bail out and go, I'm just going to start a new family. Or I need to go and actually ask for forgiveness, be honest, confess some stuff. Well, the harder thing is probably the truer thing. Mm-hmm. In most, I, I feel like in most of my experiences. And the reason we're reluctant to just say, I think that's what God's calling me to do is because it's so challenging. And so just look at what, what do you really sense that God is calling you to do? You probably already know and you see someone to draw it out from you, someone who's a good listener to pull out what I hear you saying, what I, I sense that God's calling you to do is probably go make things right. I think someone's, God's calling you to confess something. I think God's calling you to, and they're going to probably shake their head and say, yeah, I was afraid you saw that too, or you heard that too. And you're like, yeah, but you know what? We can do this together. Like, you don't do it alone. We can do it together. And, and God's going to do it with you too. He's the good shepherd who's going to be with you with rod and staff through everything so that you can can walk out or do what he's calling you to do. It's pretty incredible. We serve a living God who has people and communities to help us do that. It's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. All right, guys, it's really good to be with you today. Zach, like always, it's fun to have you on the podcast and yeah. have you on staff here at Calvary. Um, just super thankful for you and your heart for us as Calvary. Thanks for having me on. It's a joy. Great. Calvary, just let you know that there's things happening here at Calvary this spring. Go to calvarybible.com slash events to find out how to get involved. Also know that you can reach out to us at the weekly at calvarybible.com that goes to our inbox. If you have a question about your faith or the text, a question you want us to talk about here on the weekly, we would love to hear from you. Those don't go into some deep, dark void and never get responded. We love getting comments, questions from you. So go to the weekly at calvarybible.com or click on calvarybible.com the weekly and you can find our emails there too. We love you, Calvary. So thankful that we get to serve a living and active God in all of our our day-to-day lives and keep in his word, keep in his community, keep praying. And we can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do in 2021. Have a great week.